Hello. Oh, this is episode 53. Five and three. 53. If you call them bingo numbers. As always, I am your host, Rebels NAK Danny Hale. This is Project FIA. Goes PC. I had to take a breathe. Breath. Breathe. I had to breathe. You always have to breathe. It's what you have to do. I'm not here on my own. It's a very important week. We've got a lot of things to discuss this week, a lot of wrap-ups, a lot of things that's happening in the press, and a lot of themes, you could argue. But I'm not alone. There are many voices in my head, but taking that away, I'm here with our producer, as always, say hello. It's Winifred Mark. Hello. Yeah, it's just the two of us. We haven't done a podcast like this since day one. I'm have fairly we? certain. I'm pretty sure we've always had someone on the podcast. So this is a nostalgic nod to day one, just the two of us, Hmm. because this is a very important week for a lot of people. Obviously, we have the unicorn slayer out there being a playboy. Uh, That's what he does, Uh, mostly with fictitious creatures and mythological animals. That's his thing, really. Um, (laughs) But basically, Urban Oracle couldn't be here because obviously he's got a precious relationship with his girlfriend. And uh, we didn't want to get a guest this week. Because everyone's got to have a good time. It's it's Valentine's Day on Friday. So that's kind of one of the uh, themes of this podcast. Mm-hmm. We will be talking about things with the center line of romance, but obviously putting our take on it. Wynn looks panicked. I will say this to the people at home. Winifred is what I dub the romance killer. She is about as romantic as war, the plague, or pestilence, which I feel is a good tone because we are having quite a lot of that in the news <laughs> presently. Well, it's nothing like uh, the threat of death to prove your love to someone. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. That's one way of looking at it. Uh, yeah, you kind of put the morbid edge on Valentine, so that's good. I'm going to be talking briefly about the origins of Valentine's Day, uh, one that has been lost completely in favour of, I can only call it, a hallmark annual calendar month. Uh, it's pretty much lost. A lot of people don't really care. They can Wikipedia it, uh, find information, stuff like that. But there's a lot of things that are quite interesting about the date. Uh, I'll explain that more to the angle of how many people celebrate valentine's day in asia now and around the world global um, date night yeah essentially yeah what's an excuse but everyone's got a kind of pseudo culture either it's a, a, an american-based culture or a british-based culture so the roots is kind of something you might want to know about mm. um i'm not going to get boring with it i'm obviously gonna tell you my perspective which hopefully will make a few people laugh a uh, few people run away. A few people too embarrassed to play this in front of their parents. I don't know. I really don't. It's a lot of divisive things this day and age that you can say. But um, everything is controversial. <laughs> yeah, you can find controversy in a cute puppy, I'm sure. Um, so we'll start as we always start. Uh, week wrap up. Obviously, uh, you've got our perspective, which is kind of good in a way because we. When you're hosting a podcast, you got to kind of get as many opinions flying as you want. Uh, I will say this on record, and he wouldn't argue it if he was here, but Pete tends to run with a lot of things that he feels quite strongly about. And that's fine. It sometimes makes my job a little difficult because I've got to think of the other side. I'm trying to, you know, my job is to try and create neutrality as much as I can. Last week when Shaq was here, it was a reminder of how he can take me down a cul-de-sac of thought and it's very cool. He asks a lot of questions. Um, Shaq's just fun to have sort of knowledgeable questions in nerdy areas. So I'm a big fan of that. But we dealt with a lot of that last week. We were excited to have him back. You could hear that in my voice, I yeah. think, because I spoke it more than fun. normal. Hadn't seen him in a while. Yeah, it was great. It was a good catch up. But um, since Shaq was here, basically, there's been a lot of stuff. The biggest news this week is obviously the impeachment has been acquitted of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. We have uh, also the situation with the coronavirus that I can now say properly. Uh, I, I did like to change it. I will point out something. The coronavirus is literally a label. And I think the actual crisis could be anything from the common cold to the flu to pneumonia accounts. The panic that is set in the world the symptoms match so many things that you're naturally going to get this time of year that it's almost impossible. It's basically flu season. Yeah, yeah. You know? And in Asia, it's always quite lethal, but this one's been hyped. Now, 
I'm just going to say this to our listeners because they're going to be panicking some people in the world, especially in Hong Kong. You can take what I say as rational uh, opinion. You can say it as pseudo-educated. But I think that you've all got to kind of deal with the the truth of this stuff before you become looking for panic and blame and fear and all of this stuff. It just helps you to understand you are in flu season. Mm -hmm. It would pay all of you to use the internet wisely and see how many people suffer from flu and how many deaths are there for the common cold every year just to keep reality in this because I think the stats and numbers, when it's given to you by media especially, it's always a sensational story. And the things that are occurring, especially in Hong Kong, after living the protests and things like this, um, you can look at this situation and be like, it's getting crazy out there. Mm. Like, it's just getting crazy. The amount of credence people are giving to the newspapers is too much. And I even said this to my dad recently, you know, because I try and soften it, I guess, try and find the kind of way that you can spin a bit of light into a lot of darkness. But I, I like to say it. All newspapers and all journalism is an opinion. It's not fact. Fact is fact. Opinion is opinion. And it pays everyone to look at facts first. Tell yourself what the coronavirus is. Tell yourself what this strand is. Try and do some research on it before you freak out. Mm -hmm. Definitely don't take the opinion of the newspaper because nine times out of ten, it's literally for sensationalism. I can understand why people are freaking out because you don't want to get sick, right? You don't want to die. But at the same time, the deaths that have happened, I think, have been uh, elderly or like they, it was a complication. And it wasn't just like this. It's not like a 20-year-old kid caught this flu and then died. You well, know? it's more about the well, numbers. Well, I haven't heard about it's, it if it's, it's happened. <laughs> to me, it's not even that. To me, it's a case where if you compare it to the common cold every year, around the world and how many lives that can take the common cold even the flu on mm -hmm. an extreme the mm -hmm. flu is like a common cold with a little bit extra oomph right uh if you compare the stats to how fast that spreads how quickly that affects and how many deaths there are per year in different countries you will see this is not as threatening mm -hmm. and that's something i've stood by since the start and i think i can stand by that now until it dissipates but the hatred and the panic and the fear that it's causing against the people of wuhan against people of china and against literally just the common sense logic of what to do people are looting toilet rolls and items in hong kong through sheer panic like this is the apocalypse mm -hmm. and this constant fear and constant snap of common sense and logic is really no good for anyone especially when there are impressionable people in your neighboring Asian countries who have a lot less information, or even the USA, where a four-year-old could be looking at this and then their dad coughs or something, the panic that it can stir and mm. escalate, it's something that the press, and if they're listening to me, should be really, really aware of because they're the ones spinning this out of control. Most of these guys aren't panicking going to do the stories about it. Mm -hmm. So if it was a real outbreak, they would be. You know, no presentation on the news in BBC here, CNN, Fox, whatever, have had face masks on, for example. So the panic is really insular. And that's because the readers of this stuff are taking it as fact. It's not fact. It's an opinion. Be careful. And I'm going to bring that into Donald Trump because I don't want to spend too much time on viruses. It is Valentine's Day. You all don't want to be thinking about viruses on Valentine's Just Day. Remember to wash your hands and, you know, <laughs> keep sanitized away and from everyone else. The important <laughs> thing is keep sane. Yeah. That's, just keep rational. Do the education. Convince yourself. And if you are still scared, I can't help you. No one can. But if you research into this, you might be less scared. You might be more clued up. Yeah. You know, less judgmental. But here's the thing. Fear breeds hate. It does. A few episodes ago, when we were at the Rep Theatre, we were talking about Donald Trump. Pete is very quick on assuming a very left-wing, democratic, popular stance when in regards to Donald Trump. I don't really get a foot in edgeways. I feel like I've said this in the past, but my view on Donald Trump is that he's constantly the entertainer. He's definitely riling a lot of people up. He definitely loves the attention. Well, he takes the attention. I don't think he, it's, he, there's love, but he controls it. Mm. If there's not a story in the press with Donald Trump every week, that's when it's the apocalypse. <laughs> but basically to me, and I want to say this clearly out there, 
I'm fully aware, mostly by and large in entertainment stage, your main core of listeners or audience are going to be uh, democratic persuasion, left-wing creative, because mm. it all plays out. It makes sense, right? But there are a few people out there that I'm fairly certain are going to be uh, savvy to quite a lot of things that are, it, it's the flip side. Now, I want to just go on record here because the impeachment's been acquitted, but I don't think the attention or focus or, or again, hatred towards Donald Trump will cease. I listened recently to uh, his son, Donald Trump Jr. It's a name you can easily forget. It's uh, <laughs> it's not like his father in any way. Um, but basically, he was on Chris Jericho's Talk is Jericho podcast. And it's part of my job to listen to all the top sort of podcasts in the world and get different opinions and thoughts. So I don't clash mm. too much. But it's one of the best interviews Jericho does a really good job of being neutral. He mm. does a really good job of allowing the floor to be Donald Trump Jr.'s. Yeah. But it's like the story and the questions and also the uh, foot in the door, the real account of what's going on. It felt very genuine from him. It wasn't just a PR support, blind support of his dad, which a lot of people would literally diminish it to. Mm. It actually felt like Jericho had smart questions and Donald Trump Jr. was answering them in an intelligent way, being as fair as he could. Yeah. But the one thing he pointed out, and this is a bit like the coronavirus with the press, you know, which is why I'm linking these two things, was that Donald Trump has never been a politician. In fact, he used to support the Democratic Party, mm -hmm. especially Obama campaign and definitely the Clintons, Yeah. right? But he had to fit in a party. You can't be a president these days being an independent because yeah. Yeah. there's not enough ground support. So you're going to have to be one of the two major parties. Unfortunately, it shouldn't be like that in democracy. It is like that. And it's all like that because the amount of votes you get going into the door. Yeah. It's a very weird system and we have a similar weird system here okay but i'll get to our politics in a minute anyway the important thing to point out that a non-politician is more threatening to any politician currently out there and the heat that a non-politician will get is almost like they're genuinely in competition with the establishment so weirdly donald trump has always been an underdog you wouldn't think it his personality is large in life but that's what it's been. Now, I would like to say politics should always, always be about policy. And the policy should always be delivered. Mm. That's the least you can expect from your government, that they come out of a list of policies. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And it has to be delivered. In Donald Trump's case, the policies were not written. They were said. So it's like, I'm going to build a massive wall. I'm going to take care of this. And then it was wild accusation. I'm going to do this because every Mexican that's coming over the border is like some kind of dark force, right? A lot more uh, tense and divisive than that. Uh, ignorant and ethnically unacceptable. But that's what he said. Now, it's all reaction. But he was saying something that Bill Clinton had priorly said mm. to build the wall to strengthen the borders is a strength of America. Yeah, the idea has been mentioned before. I sure. Think. But his main focus has been to make America profitable, to return money to America. Mm. And in every controversial decision he's ever done, that's happened. So it's undeniable. You can say Obama started it rolling because he did. He strengthened the economy, especially after the war, the uh, war in Iraq and Afghanistan. But that's a natural thing. And sometimes politicians take credit. However, Trump has been doing a lot of things in the business sector to protect the future of American industry to the point where I think he's actually tarnished American commercial reputation here in the UK, throughout Europe and everywhere else, where we're seeing how much America controls our countries. Mm. But that's our fault, too. So it's one of these things where I'm looking at it saying he doesn't have a Republican sensibility whatsoever but he represents the party, yeah, right? He doesn't represent the democratic sensibility at all. In anything, he represents corporate America, and that is controversial, mm. flat out. I remember the Republican Party considered not backing him at one point, mm -hmm. like they were going to kick him out or something. But he was gaining so much traction, yeah, it was that stupid. They didn't have anyone else. Yeah, they time. couldn't not do it. Yeah. But my position is this. For America... Solely America, if you're mm. looking for the American economy and the American people, the American public image. It's really like having an anti-hero run your office because the world is talking about Donald Trump more than Obama. 
which I thought was impossible, but they are. Yeah. He's getting more merchandise as an individual, but as an object of hatred, I suppose, <laughs> around the world than any other president before him, you know? He's the topic of most satire. He's dominated our news. He's dominated Hong Kong's news. It's and Korea and Japan. Everyone's interested in. What Everyone's he has interested to say in him. Or it, tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a it's an important factor out there because if you are left wing Democrats, mm. I think you can be caught up, and this is something that's very controversial to say anyway. But you can be caught up in the fact that your team, so to speak, is always right. Yeah. And that any opposition team is always wrong. And it's a mental state no one should be in in politics. You should always be flexible. No lifelong Democrat brings anything new. Mm. So you've always got to be flexible. Of course, there's different leaders, different policies, different areas in your party. But if, say, the Republicans offer a better situation, it would be stupid not to go into their policies. You've got to end this thing, you know, this this irrational rationality. Because basically the fear mongering and the uh, point blank hatred that you have of anyone who disagrees with you, no matter if they're right or wrong, no matter if they're sensible or an expert in their field, you instantly dismiss them. The bullying that happens on the internet because of that. It's all sort of things that you don't really have an angle of apology for. And unfortunately, this is a very divisive period of time with a very divisive president, with a very divisive... Uh, political energy in your state, right? But if you hate now, you might hate forever. And you can't even reflect on this time and say, I was kind of stupid not to listen to other people's perspectives. Mm. We should always have the flexibility in our minds to not be that charged and triggered by opposing constructs. Now, that doesn't mean you should support Donald Trump, but I will say this. I don't think... He's as controversial as his mouth allows him to be. I think. You think he's doing it on purpose? No, I think sometimes it's just to say anything to get a reaction. Yeah. But I don't think it's on purpose. Sometimes I think it's just he's so free, being the fact that he's uh, been a billionaire for so long, he can say whatever he wants. But that is why we like freedom of speech. Mm. And the angle is. I don't think he's doing things against America as a foundation. I think he's doing a lot of good, but I think he's getting a lot of blocks in Congress, which happens every time there's a new president. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if Obama's in, they blocked him. You know, it's radical. But what you can say is the grounds change forever. Congress is now younger than it's ever been. There's experts in different fields. It's more modern. It's more human conscious. It's more globally aware, you know. And these are all positives that have happened byproduct of Donald Trump. I will say, listen to his son and his take on his father. Mm. And I think it would really change your mind about a lot of topics. I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to point you in a direction where you should always, no matter what, a true Democrat is someone that's liberal of mind. They're not fascist. They're not psychotically arrogant to one purpose. It's not a religious cult. No. You're human. And there are going to be many times in humanity where someone says something you totally disagree with, but when they're trying to do good and you're refusing to let them because of the color of their party, say it red or blue, mm. you've got to look at this and reflect on yourself. Because I, that's just my thing. Listening to this was very fair. Mm. And I feel like you've also got to remind yourself that he is a father with a son and daughter and a wife. And he's had three or something. But they are family and they are close family. And it's very sad, almost arguably as bad as anything he said publicly. The accusations he made in the infamous TV clip of him talking to uh, George Bush's nephew, <laughs> Billy Bush. Uh, we all know that clip. But isn't it as controversial to state that he's having sexual relations with his daughter mm. and have nothing to base that on whatsoever apart from rumor? Mm. And just calling this guy the biggest misogynist in the world, even though he does employ quite a lot of females and his staff always has done, right? It's very difficult for me to tolerate that. It's so one-sided that it's almost like this advent hatred to a guy that none of us really personally know. And very few of us ever will get to know. But you can see why there's division and divisiveness. I'm just saying, listen. Mm. 
because the Donald Trump Jr. Talk is Jericho podcast is worth a check. I think it's a great irony that in this age of information where you can get so much information so fast that, in fact, confirmation bias is also rising with that because that's just how the algorithms work, you know, in terms of searches or YouTube or, you know, whatever the Internet or, you know, the the corporations think this is what you like. That's what they're going to feed you. Well, I think it's more control than that. I think there's social media, especially as a one horse race right now. But I think this is why you could argue that people vote in a controversial opposition mm-hmm. when you think it's, it's going to be a clear democratic win and then it flipped. Mm. I think the public of America should be heard and we can't ignore the fact that Hillary Clinton was probably worse of the two options. And I know people like Pete especially is going to hark on about the college vote and the system, but that's still... Unfortunately, unless you have a reform in your voting, it's still not to be the popular vote doesn't matter. It's not unfortunately. a valid argument. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we can then turn that into Brexit mm, and we yeah, can exactly. say the exact same thing was in the Brexit vote. The margin was so slight, mm. but the majority still works in a democracy. It just is how it is. If, and you they can, want, if people think the popular vote should win, you're saying that the whole thing should be reformed so that should be you know one by i'm one saying person. if it's that controversial on the internet and the social media and media as whole any criticism any commentary coming from left-wing america for example is so loud and emblazoned with passion mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that it just means people engage for the first time ever mm-hmm. but it's so powerful right that if you were wrong about it in the first place and you don't know your own constitutional electoral system right then now you do. And if you're calling that unfair, tough, that's how it is, right? Number one, you've, you've just got to be rational and realistic. But to then make four years of whining about how this guy's called in Russia for support and hacked all of the uh, votes and all of this is super corrupt and blah, 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 blah. I would defy any president that's elected in without controversy in mm. his vote. There's always some kind of position in Florida where they hold the vote, they get recounting it because George Bush was in and his his uh, brother is basically the governor of Florida. That's controversial, for example. But they never got the hoo-ha that Trump's getting. And the only reason Trump's getting his hoo-ha personally is because he's not a politician. So there's people on his side that are trying to slam his name and there are people in Democrats that are trying to slam his name. And in the end, you've got a situation where the people on the street the left wing especially, I think they're engaged in politics possibly for the first time in their life because, unfortunately, Donald Trump's in power and they don't want him to be in power. But let's say, on in honesty, the votes were counted in. He's now your president. It's been four years. And yet this hatred is just stockpiled. Well, you can argue that, you know, with all the hatred and all this, you know, controversy, it's a catalyst for something better in the future. Well... Yes, but I think it's actually woke people to their own system that they didn't know before. Yeah, so, if, so let's if change the system. But the point that I'm like saying, it. Win, is that if they don't understand the popular vote, they now understand the popular yeah. vote. They understand that the college or whatever the vote comes in that gives you the overall majority or whatever, that's the one that matters. And basically, you know, there's so many arguments. You could say, well, my uh, vote was scrubbed off or that the ethnic vote wasn't counted. That's always been a situation. You also have the overseas voters where the system's yep. different but as it's, well. It, there's always a controversy yeah. with democracy. That's why it's possibly needing reform everywhere in the world. There needs to be a new, better way of doing it. More direct way, perhaps, mm-hmm. okay? But I will say that there is obviously going to be a lot of left-wing, uh, liberal-minded people listening to our stuff, watching our stuff. Because it plays into that in a way. It's cheeky. But there are going to be Republicans too. And it's my point of saying now, I welcome you. I welcome well, everyone's you. Everyone's welcome. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole idea I, I, of democracy. Well, that's, well, it's the whole idea of entertainment. Yeah. And to have section, it goes into what I was saying last week with Shaq, mm. have to section my creativity to just balance the biggest number of audience. I'm not going to do that. So I'm just here to sort of say, in a sense, Listen to the Talk is Jericho podcast. Chris Jericho and I used to correspond years ago in emails when I was in college doing film. Uh, He's a great guy. He's got a journalism degree. He actually handles that really well. It's a very divisive thing. He kept apologizing at the beginning of it. And Mm -hmm. I think it's my job on my podcast to turn around and say, you're all welcome here. 
division isn't a thing to me. I welcome all walks of life and everyone's got something to teach me. You don't like Donald Trump, fine, but base it on something real. And if he's done something to personally affect you, fine, but don't make yourself this hated energy in the world because hatred is bad no matter what it is. Mm. And go and listen to Donald Trump Jr., a guy's son, who's being his father's son, essentially. It's very fair. He's very informed, very smart guy. And actually, he makes me confident in the future of America. Right. Donald Trump Jr. Just okay. listen to what he's got to say, because he's got a very unique background. Hmm. So big nod to Chris Jericho. Uh, we'll turn around and have a nod to Dime Dial's page, because we haven't mentioned him for a long time. We've sort of said bits and bobs. He's been back in wrestling uh, recently on AEW. He's also released a book, and as it's Valentine's Day coming up soon, I just thought, well, if you're looking for an activity to do that keeps you in shape, you can do it at home for very cheap. Go look at uh, DDPY on mm -hmm. the uh, DDPyoga.com. Okay, get the app, do all the things. We've done it. We've reviewed it. You can see it earlier. Uh, episode uh, nine, I episode, think it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we reviewed it. Great guy, especially not to Brenda as well. The two of them absolutely amazing people mm -hmm. and i think it's we looking at valentine's day and couples and romance and stuff like that they were clearly 100 mm. percent in love and they just emit love and i'm gonna say wow like diamond house page is back in wrestling that's amazing yeah. 64 years old still going still strong going. absolute mm -hmm. legend um so we're gonna get to the main topic which is valentine's day and all of that stuff in a minute before we do, I'm just going to wrap up the Brexit thing, because I did say we'd focus on ours. We've actually officially had Brexit. When I say officially, nothing's going to change for at least 11 months. We've got this, um, what they call like a handover period, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and basically, essentially, we've got 11 months of this. I, I have my doubts it'll ever really, really happen. But I think it's given license to a lot of people here. Uh, fishing industry has already started to make its own laws, mm. which is not constitutional, by the way. They're electing to do that. Okay. You're seeing cracks and bits and forms and stuff happening. But I just want to say to everyone in Europe who's listening right now, as a British person, um, I'm hoping that this is a case where it's all fanfare that Brexit really is just a thing to make us feel more confident, like maybe we'll pull away from Brussels. Yeah. But I think the trade deals and stuff like this, if they were to reset and we were to reapply them, it would be such a massive disappointment. Mm. So I'm going to say this to you guys in Europe right now. Um, most of us, normal people, my generation especially, the ones that are still working or trying to start a company or trying to set up a grassroots we know the validation of what it is to have no borders mm -hmm. between Europe. Yeah. Um, and I feel very sorry that we're going to be judged for the actions of people who are a lot older than us, probably looking at retirement and just bitter about whatever. Maybe they've had a business opportunity taken away. Maybe the laws have been too stringent. I don't know, coming out of Brussels. But I think that we can safely say the youth of this country, if you're too young, you're clueless about any of it. Right. But it's very sad for people in their 30s, maybe in their late 20s, to look at this whole world and think there's going to be kids growing up without that knowledge of what it once was. Mm. You know, this majestic way we could just go anywhere freely and it's all going to be tightly constructed. I hope it doesn't. And I hope it might change again within, you know, the next decade. Well, that's the point. We don't know who the <laughs> prime minister is going to be next week yeah. when they could have another general election. We've had four in so many years. It's been <sighs> stupid. But I'm just saying, like, I just feel sorry. And I feel if anyone listening and from Europe needs to hear, you know, any British outlook, I think that we are of the opinion that, you know, we, we're going to miss you guys, essentially. Mm -hmm. There was some real positives happening, you know. Ironically, one of the biggest reasons we left was an innate fear that you, the European Union was going to police the whole of Europe mm. with this super cop force right. coming out of Brussels. It's one of these things. I think France has already subscribed to it. But today on the news, literally today on the news, I heard that we need to reinvest in the police force because we've got diminishing numbers of yeah, policemen yeah, yeah. and we're running out of policemen. And I just think to myself, well, these are one of these things. It's like Brexit's done with and we're now hearing the mess of what the UK has been for the last two and a half years whilst or three years whilst everyone's been talking about Brexit. There's been real things to deal with here. Mm -hmm. uh, we're having NHS issues, got the police issues. Now, really, the onus is now on 
our prime ministers to do the job. So good luck, Boris, you know. You've inherited this now. We got we haven't got fanfare and patriotism now. You gotta you gotta prove your worth. So we'll see what happens. And we 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 did say This is the beginning. Yeah, yeah. We mm-hmm. did say we'd comment as and when. But I think if you're listening around Europe, I know there's a lot of people in Europe, Spain, France, Germany, etc. Uh there's lots of countries. I would name them all, but I'd be here for ten hours. <laughs> I'm just saying, we're gonna miss you guys. I think we are all one sensibility with different languages, sure, but we are all culturally very similar. And it's really sad, man. It's just really sad. It was starting to feel like a lot more opportunities were coming. And this has been a, a really difficult thing to live with for three years without a choice. I, I personally didn't vote, so I couldn't. I was here too late. I mean, I could, but I, w- I had mad jet lag at the time. I had to go and vote and I wasn't going to do that. But I always didn't want to. I didn't believe in it. I thought it was a political move i still do and we'll we'll take it as it is if it actually happens as sincere as it's been built we'll see but i personally feel like this is all you know a carnival fireworks display anyway so it's valentine's day win we're going to get onto that topic now wrapped up the news the week mm-hmm. uh there will be news next time like uh we might have a massive snow drift here soon according to a uh, tropical storm that's not very tropical it's the anti-tropical storm it's the but we're not tropical frosty here. the snowman storm that doesn't I even think. make sense i know yeah there you go so when you're thinking about wading out in the snow because it's going to be snowy on valentine's day watch the space it might be this next <laughs> friday um i'm gonna say you need something to wear in fact you need things to define that you are a couple and there is nothing better Nothing better on earth than having matching t-shirts or any other apparel, hoodies, jumpers, slouches if you're into that. I don't know what a slouchy is, but they haven't. Uh, and that is going to Hobo Bay, yes, because they do, uh, well, yeah, comical, comical, topical, comical tops. They're very funny. You'll just w- look at it. The color range is massive. It's great, and it's part of T-String community. Uh, and you can go there right now to get all your Valentine's Day needs, even for your kids. Dress all the same. And you can do that by going to teespring.com. I nearly couldn't say that. Forward slash stores forward slash hobo bait. That is with my teeth in. Teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash hobo bait. Right now for all your Valentine's Day family, couple, or stalker needs. There we go. So we're going to move on to Valentine's Day. I'd rather that than chocolates, to be fair. T-shirts. Good design. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're over that. We've done the we've done the plug. So they've been our sponsor for uh, well, season two, yeah. pretty much, and they're our serious sponsor forever here on the mm. podcast. But I just wanted to throw them out there. Um, so yeah, Valentine's Day. Now, here's the thing: because you are classically the romance killer, I'm going to explain to you how romance uh, is. Basically, uh, it's a thing that people believe in. Uh, I you don't. you don't no. you don't you just read about it in books and uh, those I don't, are the I kind don't of, see the point. Well, those are the kind of books that you close and avoid. Valentine's Day began as a Roman Catholicism holiday. It's actually an event. It was the feast of Valentine's. Okay, mm. this is what it's saying in, in the factoids that I looked up. But basically, what's interesting is it's a Roman Catholic holiday. Classically, right. yeah. that's now been. I don't even think the roots of Valentine's Day would even make you think that St. Valentine's was a thing. He was actually a Roman saint, okay? And you got to think to yourself, well, it's funny because now we associate it with cherubs, which is more Greek mythology. Like you've got mm. the cherub and you've got the uh, Icarus kind of construct, you know? Uh, Cupid. Cupid. Not Icarus. No, but it's still icarus no, Icarus he had wings is the and a bow and arrow. He didn't have a bow and arrow. Didn't he? he fl- he's the one who flew too close to the sun, and then his his wings, his wings burned, fell off, and he became human. And then he died. Oh, did he die? I don't think he died. I think but he, Cupid is I think the one he with set the up a surf shop <laughs> where he fell. I think that's what happened. Icarus surf shop. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's what the the real story <laughs> of Icarus. He uh, fell down from burning his wings. Um, yeah, that's a weird story. And it ended up on Venice Beach. I did mean Cupid. Yes. I did mean Cupid. <laughs> yes. Cupid is origined in Greek mythology, though, right? Or is it more Roman as well? I'm not sure. Hard to say. But cherubs, we all know the mm-hmm. winged babies, bow and arrow, shot through the heart, blah, 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 Valentine's Day. Probably linked with the whole spring theme of, you know, the season as well. Yeah. and the such. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's the bit before Easter. 
Or does that just mean some kind of weird mutation with a butterfly human? Can I just point out, it's never wise to give your kid a bow and arrow. So don't do it. Ever. Especially um, a baby. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised more Valentine's Day cars aren't sued in this day and age of political correctness. It's don't put violent. butterfly wings on your kid. Expect them that they can fly and definitely don't give them bows and arrows. Even if the arrow is heart-shaped, it still doesn't matter. It's lethal. Don't do it. <laughs> so here's the thing. So Valentine's Day, from the origin, I think it was a feast to just be an all-out, probably an excuse back in the day where people had different aesthetics to have a rampaging orgy. I don't know. The Romans were like that. Who yeah. knows? Excuse for a party. <clears throat> Correct. But the religious side of it, as a plane goes overhead. I'm just going to say, a plane is going overhead, uh, which is good. It means that people are flying places for Valentine's Day. So what I'm going to say is, it's a far stretch. Most of the holidays we now have, basically every month in America has a national holiday, yep. right? We're getting quite similar here. I've got to be honest, but Valentine's Day to come from a Catholic background is now synonymously non-religious. Yeah. It's pretty much just another, what I would call a hallmark commercial holiday. Yeah. An excuse. Definitely. To have a range of chocolate products, cards, and things that you buy for your loved one or your stalk victim. And I'm going to say that honestly because that happens. Yeah. I don't stalkers. like cut flowers. They represent death for me. Because they're cut. Like, if you really wanted to give someone a flower, give them, like, a potted plant, not cut. Not yeah, like we, a, we a said bouquet. this, a, a cactus or a bonza. Yeah, yeah. they last forever. Well, it's interesting because every culture actually has its own Valentine's Day tradition in Japan, probably inherited from America. They, they make their own chocolates right. and give them out. Oh. Yeah. Um, I just get lint and give that out. I like Ferrero Rocher. Well, there you go. That's a hint. If anyone wants to give Win a Valentine's Day present, it doesn't have to Rocher. be Valentine's. You can just give it to me any day. Well, I'm just I'll saying we're we're talking about Valentine's Day, <laughs> yeah, so we've yeah. got to focus on the fact that these are traditions around the world. Otherwise, there is no content for this podcast. So, the Japanese build their chocolates and give it to you. Mm -hmm. Girls do that. Um, guys probably wouldn't do that. I think it's literally a girl to a guy exchange in high school usually. Mm. That grows up to possibly be a commercial mixer or some kind of dating arrangement or something because, you know, different grades of different beliefs in Japan. I do not think when you reach sort of adulthood, you would do the here's a chocolate I made you gimmick. But I don't know. Japan is one of these places. Maybe the wood straight mm. into your working life. I don't know. But it's an interesting take because I think that comes from the idea that in America you'd probably make your own snacks, cookies, bake stuff, whatever, put it in a box and give it to your person. Uh, for me, it was always a gift, any old gift, really. Um, but we were always taught from an early age here, which is what's really weird. In, in junior school, we made a thing of Valentine's Day, but it was never really taught as an origin. We mm. never knew the roots of it. So it was always a case where we just knew if you had a crush on someone, that was the day of the year, you tell them. Yeah. Or you go on your first date right. or whatever, you know? I remember the only thing that I did was because when you're in school, I, I was like head of charity or something. And then we would do these little events. So you give me like a pound and I give you this piece of paper and you write the name of someone and then... On the day, we give out like chocolates or roses or whatever. So, so like a secret money, Santa? Kind of. So so you you may or may not know who's given you. you I know. thought you were running a mafia like. But the uh, money goes to charity. So I saw it more like a charitable event rather than. A, see, see, the way you were explaining that, I thought it was more like an extortion. <laughs> where someone pays you a pound equivalent to tell the other person that they've got a crush on them and therefore you become really, really rich as the yeah, go-between. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that's what you were doing. Yeah, because so it's for charity. To win, as head of charity, she was a mafia organization <laughs> extorting people's crushes and telling them. Interesting. But that wasn't tradition. That was your tradition. That's what I did at school. Innovation. I organized yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, be careful with this one. That's why you're a producer. Because you got, like, <laughs> see, romance killer. You basically monetize... And obviously, you know, the girls or the guys, whoever gets like a bunch of chocolates or a bunch of, you know, flowers are like, oh. So wind monetarized so. poor youth's hearts. <laughs> Intriguing. Mm. Yeah. And it all goes a good Did cause. it go to charity? It did, yeah. Which yeah. charity? Depended on the year. 
And yeah. I did a mini. I would have done it on an anti-stalking charity. <laughs> Don't think it was a thing back then. Oh, it could have been. <laughs> it was before the uh before the stalking was... craze. Yeah. <laughs> which has always been there, but yes. Super there popular. You go. So anyway, so that's loosely what Valentine's Day is all about. There's a lot of different takes around the world. We can all agree, universally agree, it's been one of the most successful commercial holidays anywhere. Mm. It's throughout Europe, throughout America, North America, you know. Um, probably in Mexico, probably in some South America, I'd imagine. Well, it also sells the idea of romance. Yeah, you know? but it's it's interesting to me how it's separated from the Christian roots. Mm. And it's become a kind of free-for-all yeah. construct. Which is smart, smart marketing. I suppose in a way, Christmas is starting to go that route. Yeah. I know it's harder to say that because Christmas has got a directly Christian context. But yeah, yeah, it's almost become something everyone appreciates and nods to, no matter what. Well, for us, it's just another excuse for a family gathering. Yeah. But I think it's a case of you can look at Christmas as the Christian Christmas, or you Mm. can look at it as Santa Claus. Yeah. And a load of presents. So Valentine's Day is kind of thing. You can look at it as a big feast in your village outside in Italy, once upon a time when tropical heat, having a massive orgy and loads of food. Could have or, been speed dating. Didn't have to be an orgy. No, nah, Romans don't <laughs> speed. The Romans are all orgies. That's what they do. Um, but basically you look at it like that or, you know, like basically a Midsummer Night's Dream. Shakespeare yeah, and play. Yeah, There's yeah. some culture. I brought it back to culture. Thank you. Read that. It's basically what happened in Valentine's Day originally. Or you look at it more like, uh, cash out. Here's a chocolate specifically designed in heart shape. <laughs> Same chocolate that you get all year round, but it's heart shape now, so it's different. Mm. Gimmick holiday. Mm. But if you're out there listening and uh, you've got some plans for Valentine's Day, I was thinking about ways that I could sort of, this is the second part of this, ways that we can advise you to spend your Valentine's Day because some people are really struggling. Mm. Some people, especially if they've got like 20 years with someone, um, or 20 years separated from some of the restraining order, whatever it is, yeah. you need to spice it up. Okay? You need to do something different. Got to do something different, yeah, except yeah, yeah, for yeah, if sure. you are restrained from that person, please don't break your restri- restriction. <laughs> um, you got to, I mean, you got it all walks of life. Got to be fair, right? Mm. So how to make it mean something? Well, the first thing is, in this day and age, apart from the fact that we've got a lot of halted plans to certain specific countries due to this virus, um is you want to travel to a romantic city now a lot of people out there would say oh romantic cities pops in your head paris here's the thing about paris Mm. not romantic in my opinion paris to me is a lot like london and london is not romantic can be well i always think that european cities like paris and like london even have this kind of vibe because there's so much novelty there for example Mm. London's got icons. You got Buckingham Palace. Everyone wants to see that. You got the change on the guards. Everyone wants to see that. I don't know why, but they do. <laughs> um, you got red post boxes. Apparently, that's the thing. Uh, telephone. You've also got the black cabs, but you've got them everywhere now because everyone's stolen them. You can find them all over the place in every city in England. But I would say London, not romantic. York, romantic. Okay. Mm. So anyone who's listening and you're thinking, "Oh, I'll go to London." Don't do London, do York. Reason why I say York, York is a medieval, last one of the last walled cities in the planet. Mm. Medieval walled city, not Israel, which is also a walled city. Uh, we're talking, yeah, yeah, walled city. Sure. And it's very, very romantic. A lot of uh, Tudor sort of cobblestones. Thing is, Valentine's Day falls on that weather day that's really crap. So we're basically, we could have 10 feet of snow, by Valentine's Day, which again, people would be super interested in having a Arctic romance. York is your place. I think I always associate romance where you can go somewhere and feel timeless, like time stops and it's kind of a different thing. And it's very much um, between sort of uh, intimate. Mm. I don't feel Paris is intimate. I don't feel London's intimate. There are many people who are going to say, wow, it was for me. I, I had a really you know, perfect romantic time out there. But I think there are people who are coming in from, say, Japan or whatever. If you're truly coming in from uh, Japan, America, whatever like this, if you're truly British and you're in here right now, I think York's a really good place to go. Very much not on everyone's radar. Mm -hmm. It's just a train trip. 
I think what's really not romantic is doing what everyone else does. Like, well, yeah, like, like, I mean, go to the cinema, have a movie, watch something, have no, a microwave dinner. No, 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 dinner. like, like, I guess it's like that, that Cook for each concept other. of... Well, you, you, you're bringing it back to your own soul. I'm trying to be advised, like, for example, I'm trying to re-educate, because when people say Paris is romantic, I wouldn't say it is, from the offset. That's what I'm saying, because everyone thinks it is. Especially so it's February not. 14th, when the weather is crap, it's going to be the same as our weather here, pretty much. Is it? But yeah, yeah. But I would say maybe you you looking at Edinburgh, so medieval that would be romantic. You're looking at York would be quite cool if you want the English experience. If you want a French experience, I say Leon, which is medieval fairy tale like. You know, you got better places. Boulogne with castles and everything's brilliant. I would also say that when we're all looking at European from the European American perspective, Tokyo is pretty good for being romantic. Yokohama is pretty good. And the reason I say that is there's so many things you can do as couples in mm. Japan. It's a very couple inspired place. For example, Yokohama's downtown is a theme park, mm. which is brilliant. For example, Tokyo, you, 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 your head goes, Tokyo is all about technology. It's all about quirkiness. It's all about this. I think it's actually a romantic place. Because my experience of it there is everyone's respectful. There's a lot of grounding and honor, but there is a lot of stuff you can do as couples. It's very good for coupley things. Of course, it's very expensive to get to Tokyo right now, especially the Olympics. So if you scratch that and you say closer to home, York, instead of London, if all of you guys are listening from the USA and you're thinking London's super romantic, London is not unlike New York, Manhattan. And sure, you can find a romantic something in Manhattan, but it's very much a bustling city, very spread out, very loud, very busy, very expensive. But if you go somewhere like York... Warwick. Warwick is a good one. Stratford-upon-Avon. Mm -hmm. It's somewhere you can do picturesque walks. It's more England than it is capital city. And it, it eventually, you know, I would say always... If you're looking for a romance, you don't want to see the icon stuff and sightsee. You want to do something that's more intimate, I would say. And that's my advice if you want to do some of this alternative. I would also say if you're looking for the beachier equivalent, you know, and you're coming in from America and you're looking for a good beach holiday or something like this, you know, basically you've got like, what, Perth, Australia, if you were going to do the uh, that side of Australia, because mm -hmm. let's face it, the other side of it's going through hell and back. West Coast beaches are really nice. Yeah, you've got that, which is overlooked. It's overlooked because we're all thinking Bahamas and stuff like this. No, Australia. Mm -hmm. There you go. You've also got the look at, if you're going to change it up, do something more close to home again in, in Europe, I would say Dorset, which is the south coast of England. It's going to be brisk. It's going to be quite cool this time of year, but that plays into it. We've got some of the most staggering cliffside views on a planet you wouldn't think about it in england but cheap flights right now so you mm. know on a budget could be that and then you got your obvious places so in spain italy whatever blah 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 but that's down to you i'm just saying trying to give you a few alternative thoughts on locations and how you can tweak the romance essentially uh yokohama is really good actually i'm just going to go back to that because one thing i kept thinking about yokohama is is a soft kind of small town flavor Chinatown, which has got some great food going on, very, very affordable stuff, very bustling. But downtown was that super amazing theme park. You got the toy shop, loads of department stores nearby, crafts and jewelry and things like this. It's actually very, very memorable. They also have a, to scale, almost medieval Alice in Wonderland style garden on the outside with loads of bandstands and curly kind of Oh, as we say, bandstand, it is a bandstand. Benches and stuff to sit on and, and hide from the world. But it's really beautiful. And that was quite surprising. So Yokohama, morning Tokyo, I'd say, gets my vote for an alternative romantic getaway. Mm -hmm. It's a very beautiful place. Unfortunately, with this coronavirus, you got to <laughs> careful. It's a bit far to go as well. It is a bit far to go. Well, I mean, depending. If you're in Hawaii, it's not too bad. <laughs> But well, like I said, just, just for a weekend. Just so sad. If you go in there, why not go on Valentine's Day? You know, if you're gonna end up going there anyway. But that's my point. Just changing the vibe because I don't personally feel Paris is your romantic getaway point. Of course, people think it is, and that's up to them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, lots of Europe can be romantic, I suppose. Just 
it's what you define as romance. And for me, it's a bit too sprawly, Paris. It's a bit too spread out, too many intersections and cross sections and stuff like London. Essentially not a pleasant place to walk. Anyway, regardless, moving on. So the next thing I wanted to say is activities. So let's forget about locations. You go, go to alternative thoughts on romantic getaways and spotlights on places we've been to recently that have that vibe that you wouldn't really associate with it. One thing I was going to say is like the standard Valentine's Day is literally, you know, if you're in school, it's kind of give the gift, run away. And if they phone you that night and say, thank you very much, you might have your first romance in school. I don't know. Mm. Um, it could be just to get the courage to go out on a date for the first time. You know, I'll take you to the cinema if you want. If you want, if you've got nothing else to do. I gave a boy a rock once. See? Romance killer. It was a very nice rock. You Romance killer, right? So you gave a dude a rock. <laughs> nothing says I love you like rock, right? Well, I, I, I mean... I gave the love of my life a brick, well, is what you're saying. Well, I mean, that's what an engagement ring is, isn't it? A rock. <laughs> yeah, it goes through a few different <laughs> processes. Uh, but yeah, you just got a rock. Mm -hmm. What type of rock was that? I was a rock collector at the time. I don't remember. You were a rock collector. Yeah. Another very feminine thing to do as a little girl. You were a different kind of little girl, though, weren't you? Yeah, with your uh, rock collecting. Nothing wrong with rocks. And, and rocks are wishes. pretty. All right, so I'm gonna like literally gonna say when is the worst advisor for this time of year ever. <laughs> so we're just gonna go back on when suggests to all the girls out there if you really like a guy, get him a nice rock. We're talking school level. <laughs> I think it's more. Imp well, I always had a problem with the flowers thing. I thought hmm. flowers are very much a temporary gift yeah. i know that we all been trained and vetted from a young age to think that's what you do i always thought especially when i was in junior school probably at the age of 13 it was the first time valentine's day really meant anything to me probably 11 actually 13 i would have been in high school so 10 and i i gave a uh cuddly toy like a little bear in a basket the basket had loads of cookies or something in it and it was all gimmick kind of one the same thing and I think that's a really good gift, better than a rock, because that could last forever if you look after the bear, right? The, the yeah, but you wouldn't. can grow out of it. Like, no, it no, 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 no. I don't think anyone does. Anyone who I defy anyone who says they ever grow out of cuddly toys, because all you got to do to prove that theory is instead of getting them the obvious cute kind of really embarrassing thing, like you don't want a bunny rabbit if you're a hard you know, muscle man dude later in life. But if you got that dude said a cuddly version of like, I don't know, Deadpool, they'd be well chuffed with it. So I don't think you ever grow out of cuddly toys ever. It just, the context might change. Personally, that's what I think. And anyone who says that they would think you're lying, personally. Rocks can be sentimental. We're, well, they can actually be the basis because of building. Because if you think about it, right? Like say, you know, you're walking down a nice beach with your loved one and then you find a really nice pebble. You're going to keep it. Because it's a memory of that moment. I would you know? I've never see this is interesting. Or I've never ever believed in hoarding shells or pebbles. And it has a tactile memory to it, so you can touch it. See so this is this is literally I know a lot of people do. I know a lot of people love collecting shells. Yeah. A lot of people who collect big shells and think it's great for soap. And every single rock is different. And then their whole house is basically <laughs> shell soap bowls and pebbles all over the goddamn place. I know my room was because my a mom's got this. A teddy bear that you buy in a shop, you can get like 10 of no, them. No, no, no. This was special anywhere. because this was this was a one of a kind oh, Unless thing. you made it, then that's No, no, different. this is one of a kind thing, man. I'm not, I'm not that much of a... I didn't get like, you know, a commercial Disney store thing. I got something specific, awesome. But... What I'm going to say is, like, the thing about pebbles is my mom's got the same affliction. I think there's certain people have an affliction. It just means you're a magpie in a form of life. <laughs> you have this issue with shiny stuff and weird stuff that no one needs or wants to see. Guys are different, right? Because when we're trying to do, like, the Valentine's Day promotion to our significant other, hopefully, okay, especially when you're young, you want something that is relevant to the time. Okay. And that was quite an impactful gift because years later, I re-met the same girl, Gemma. If you're out there, Gemma Tapsall, she's married now with kids, I think. 
or dogs. Not that there's much difference. <laughs> but um, her and Jace got married. Great. But I saw her years later and it was a case where she'd never forgotten that. Mm. That was big because most people just get crap. I'd spent a lot of money on something that she could keep forever and she's still at it. So your theory is wrong. Now, if a girl bought me a rock... Let's just say I don't have any of my cuddly toys anymore. Yeah, but you you never liked... They were more your scientific experiments. You you were way more happy testing how good the stitching was by tearing it apart no. and breaking your friend's stuff no. than you were receiving cutesy stuff. So I'm going to move on. But I'm going to say if a girl gave me a rock, I would be terrified because that tells me you're almost prehistoric. And I'd imagine that you're going to club me in the head and drag me back to your cave. Scary. Some people like that, but I'm not one of them. But if the rock was special, which it wasn't, because the way you explain is, it was just a nice rock. It was a very nice rock. It wasn't like a quartz or something. Um, I think it was, yeah. Like it mm. was a precious stone. Was it? Yeah. It wasn't just like granite. I was going to say, like if you just gave I mean, a granite's rock. granite's got like, you know, shiny bits, but no, it was, it was actually a nice rock. Well, there you go. So, uh. Yeah, I'm not sure what to do with that information. So moving on. So that's when you're a kid, but we can't discuss this forever because we're never going to get anywhere forward. When you're growing up, when you're growing up and you've been together, you know, you want to make Valentine's Day sort of thing. You get extra points, uh, especially if you've been a jerk all week. You might use it as a time to be getting extra points. Like you're a couple, you're married. You've been married for 20 odd years, right? Maybe some people just like go out for dinner. You know, that's mm. the thing. Go out for dinner and all this stuff. They might cook dinner. Mm. The one person who can't cook starts cooking. Yeah. That kind of a deal, you know. Um, the gesture is yeah. romantic, even if the meal isn't. Yeah. But if it, when you can't cook, you shouldn't cook. But you do anyway. And it ends up that you're phoning Domino's anyway at the end of the night, whatever. Um, I would just say, like, how do you jazz that up? How do you jazz that up? Right? Rock climbing. No, you know, you got to stop this fascination of rocks. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. It's crazy, man. Like, you, you, you're all rocks. How about a rock concert? Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. works. Take them out to a rock concert. I'm not sure how many <laughs> actual rock concerts happen on Valentine's Day. Mm. It is a Friday this year, so who knows? Yeah, classically, I think there's been a few in, in history. But yeah, if there is one, that's, a, that's an option. I was just trying to think of how would you do it differently? Because say, like, you know, it's that time of the year when the one person doesn't cook might take over cooking. Mm. And that could be either man, female, female and female, man and man. It doesn't matter. It's the weaker cook probably takes over and thinks, right, well, this is my chance to give you a chance to put your feet up and I'll cook for you. Right. That happens quite a lot. That happens breakfast quite a lot. in bed. Yeah. Breakfast in bed mm. could happen. Uh, I don't really. That's the thing. I don't really agree with breakfast in bed because I'm a Virgo. <laughs> And to me, I'm just worried about the mess it's going to create. Crumbs. The mess it's, it's not to me. It's the least sensible thing you could ever, ever do. Hi, honey. Is your breakfast in bed? What are you doing? Yeah, especially if you're in California. No food in the bedroom. California, especially or Texas, who have this huge Tex-Mex culture and California Mexican Baja culture. Mm. If you gave me a breakfast burrito in bed. <laughs> I would literally phone a police on you, I think. I, I don't know if my brain could handle that. I'd probably have a breakdown. I'd probably run out screaming. Uh, because your bed, it's not a picnic area. Okay. No breakfast yeah. in bed for yeah. Danny, then. No. And no. no rocks. No rocks. No rocks. I would say, to me, it would be a case of change it from cooking to do an activity with your partner that's all them and not you. For example, you'd rock climb. Mm. And I, I, I would never want to rock climb, but that day I might rock climb for you. Yeah. Right? Or we could give each other rocks, okay, if you want. Because actually you're very prehistoric, okay? Uh, just for the listeners, I don't actually know how to rock climb. It's something that I'd like to do, but I've never done it before. Yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> Just yeah. so it doesn't sound like I'm like obsessive because no, I am I or whatever. I think that actually you could do it pretty well because you're a spider monkey. Spider but monkey. what I'm going to say is like, for example... If, say, your partner's into, like, hobby, like, I want to, uh, he the, he or she's hobby is craft. Mm. You join them on it. Mm. Right? And then the year next, the next year, it flips. Yeah, so, like, would you want your partner to, like, play video games with you, for example? Um, 
Well, I mean, ultimately, I'd make them do that anyway because I'm a tyrant. <laughs> uh, but yeah, something like that, right? It's just, it's just how you flip it. <laughs> Maybe I'd force them to watch a film they absolutely never wanted to see that I love, you know, like because it's totally not their genre. One year do their hobby or their interest, and the next year do your interest, mm. for example, share it, split it even, or make a day of doing both. Half the day you do theirs and half the day you do yours, mm. even if you can because uh, it falls on a Friday, right? Mm. You got to work, right? So you come back from work and you just fit it in. That's why I'm saying really like flip the year. So one year it's theirs and next year it's yours. I think that's a really cool thing to do because it gives insight. And it, you, that can evolve. It doesn't have to be then your go-to hobbies. That could be like Let's an experience of new. an experience of like, well, I've always wanted to do this, mm. but I've never done it. And then you flip that. So it basically becomes an activity that you've wanted to do. Almost like a Valentine's Day bucket list, you know? Hmm. And I think that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. You know? Start making a list and then pick one out of the hat. But it can be as simple as just watching a TV show that you like that they don't like and then convert them. I think most people have similar tastes, though, couples, I mean. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because I think that... You know, despite the people at very few numbers of people work in the same field, because relationships in the same field professionally, very few, seldom times do they ever work out. Competition, ego, whatever it is. But when that happens, of course, you can have a lot of aligned interests. But I'm talking about most people have their job and their spouse has their job or their other half has their job, you know, they're two different worlds. So I think a lot of people, especially when you're talking feminine mind, masculine mind, will have a very different onset of what their hobbies and interests are. And I think it just pays for people to come into their interests together. Mm. You know? Like if you can't cook, but your partner can cook, cook together yeah. rather than separate it, make it a group activity. You know, And I think that's the way that you should start contemplating Valentine's Day or go back the perspective could also be that you go back to your Roman roots. So instead of thinking, because we could be here all day, I mean, we're going to have to do another Valentine's Day podcast at some point, I'm sure, next year or whatever. But I'm just keeping this tight. I wanted to give you a different outlook on locations and the meaning behind what could be romantic, I suppose. This is just basically freshening up. You know, I don't want to go too much about it, but here's the thing. So go back to the Roman roots. And instead of it being about you as a couple or your interest in someone, pull an event and then invite everyone to it Mm. and make it a kind of family love, familial love, you Mm. know, or yeah. Okay. So you've been together for a bit, bring the in-laws together, whatever, make it everyone and then host it, pull an event off. Cause I think that's the root of it. I think that was a root. It was basically more of a kind of appreciation day. Mm. Yeah. And that could be interesting. That could be an interest, like a spring Thanksgiving. Could do like a quadruple date party. Well, I mean, some people would do that. That that goes back to the orgy route, yeah, for sure. Like a a threesome, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's a case where I would say, like, if you wanted to go back to the roots, it would be a case more like go out for a big group dinner, maybe enlist loads of people. And make it an appreciation thing hmm. rather than being directly about couples and future suitors and all this stuff, which is what the commercial thing has created, yeah. like a date night or a potential date night or whatever. Mm-hmm. Turn it into what I think the formulaic base was, and that is I'm doing this event because I love you all, mm-hmm. right? Almost like the reverse of a birthday. Mm. You treat all of them as if it was all of their birthdays and then it's a festival of love again. And I think that's what it was. Mm. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah. So that works. You could do what windows and extort people. If you're listening and you're in high school right now or even college. Entry fee. Yeah, yeah. They give you a dollar (laughs) and you tell their crush that they have a crush on you. If you do, you could do deals. I'm just the messenger. Yeah, yeah. For $5, (laughs) PR. They do PR for you as well. So if you're out there and your friends are like the ones interested and you're not really interested, you're more of a like win, a librarian waiting to happen. <laughs> you could actually extort people who haven't got the balls to say who their crush is or just pass notes for them at a cost, doing PR at a cost. 
And also you could feature a hobo bait t-shirt. We might even, if you, if you commented and said on the, the comments in this podcast or on YouTube or Twitter, whatever. And he said, that sounds like an awesome way. Could I get some hobo bait t-shirts to help me in this plight? No, we might be able to do a deal with you. We'll have to phone up the monkeys at Hobo Bait and see. But that's really it for romance and rock collecting, uh, which could be the title of this podcast. I will say I've never heard in all of my 38 years anyone who gives anyone rocks and, and uh, uh, as a romantic gesture. Well, I thought you're supposed to give something that is precious to you. So it was precious to me, so I gave him something. How old were you at this point? Ten. Right. Right. <laughs> See, that has a parallel opposing effect Maybe to I think younger. my story. <laughs> my story had this kind of long life, oh man, I can't believe you did that because you, you're a kid and you got that and that was your own money and wow, what a gesture. To this kid who was like, now probably married, right, this yeah. dude? Mm-hmm. He's probably married, you know. He's like, you know what? I just had this crazy nightmare once. This girl came up to me once. She threw a rock at my head <laughs> and ran off. I didn't know the context at all. I was just like, why the hell is she giving me a rock? Isn't you know, that what that, guys do? I'm pretty sure somewhere in culture that could be a curse. <laughs> I think he came off like a witch just completely cursing the dude out. Hey, who knows? Who knows? So, uh, yeah. So there you go. Rocks for Valentine's Day. Okay, so we'll be back next week. Don't know if it'll be Shaq. Don't know if it'll be Pete. We haven't got a clue, but it'll be someone. And we'll be talking about stuff as usual. So we'll be back same time, same place. But that's for me. And over to Win for the Workbook. Subscribe to FIA Gets Tubed on YouTube for access to all Project FIA episodes and extras. As you know, you can find our podcast on all the major platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Ask us questions and drop us your comments via email. Our address is projectfia.rebelrated at gmail.com. And of course, we are also on Twitter. Our handle is projectfia.rebelrated.